So I want to start this class by, I want to make sure that I hit the target when I talk today. I got notes that I think are really powerful, but I want to make sure that I'm helping you too. So a couple of you just tell me, why, why did you feel drawn to come to this class? And if you say because there were no other classes, I'm cool with that too. But why did you feel led to come to this class? Anybody want to share? Go ahead, hater. Uh, I, as you said, I believe in prayer like can change a lot. And I experienced this in my in my own life. I want to learn more. Like, hey, that's really true. So when I go to witness to someone, like, hey, prayer can change a lot mm. because first that happened to me, and I'm now like learning about it more or hearing about it more. Amen. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't know this young man, you gotta ask him his story. <laughs> okay. From what? What was you? You're Muslim, right? I was. Yeah. Yeah. Grew up Muslim. And the, the power of prayer that led to his conversion is incredible. So you got to ask him his story, right? Yeah. All right, anyone else? Yes? Uh, my husband and I are lead pastors in Toledo, and we walk, just walked through a season where prayer really was our only life source. Okay. So we just found that um, we had to, there was some ground that just needed to be torn up. And gotcha. so we just found that the only way to do it was in the supernatural. And so I think. We've learned a lot organically just by having to do it, mm -hmm. um, corporate prayer. So we good, started good. with a small group every Friday. It still goes. We have prayer every week. But um, so I, I guess I just, you know, really wanted to absorb gotcha. what that looks like. Are we missing something? Is there something mm -hmm. that we need to strategically do to right, differently? Right. I mean, you know, we, you kind of just fall into it. But. Right. Yeah, we'll talk about some things and make sure we hit it all. That's good. Thank you. Somebody else had their hand up. Yes. This year that God's been doing my heart, this is a year to get my church, our church, into prayer. And I'm looking for ways, any direction I can go to have another direction of prayer. I'm looking for Good. every direction I can find to hook up. Okay. Um, we already have some in place, but I'm looking for some new ideas, new pre create some ideas and possibly next All right. Okay. So you just mentioned something I need to zero in on with praying together with your church. Okay. Good, good. Okay, so let me let me get started, and feel free to interrupt me at any point, and uh, we'll pray right around. This ends at eleven fifteen, right? So we'll pray right around eleven. God help us. So uh, here's the thing I found interesting: Pew Research, two thousand four research survey. Um, more than half Americans say they pray on a daily basis. How about that? That's amazing. I'm not sure who they're praying to, but more than half say they pray. But amongst believers, this is what disturbs me, amongst believers, let's see here. Amongst believers, uh, I think it was 20, 23%. 23% said they pray daily. That's kind of scary. Because we're not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we need to understand. Now, here's my deal. If you're going to pray, just like when, when, we're, when we're leading an organization, you want to have vision, and you want to put a strategy together with that vision. Just like even in your own personal walk with God, I, I don't think we go about it flippantly. Like, we go about it purposefully, right? we kind of got vision. Well, there, I believe that in, in our prayer life, if we don't have a vision and we don't have a strategy, it's going to be like shotgun approach to prayer. But if we want it to be effective, then we have to have a, a vision and a strategy for prayer. So 
in my life, here, here's my simple vision and strategy. I want to make sure. Come in, folks. Hopefully, we got a seat for everybody. Yeah, we got a seat. We've been ahead of our business. All right. We got some paper. Yeah, we have got some papers for you. Yes. I want to make sure every day that I'm spending time alone with God in, in a secret place and examining my life. Because as long as I live a lifestyle of repentance and, and, and on my face before God, I know I'm going to be strong. But I would like to every week, well, I've been doing this every day. I have a prayer partner. So my wife is my prayer partner. We pray together every day. Not now I lay me down to sleep, but like 15, 20 minutes together interceding, at least 20 minutes. Um, so my strategy is personal and then a prayer partner, and then my third strategy is I want to pray with the church for our community. This is where God brings down strongholds. And uh, and I, Paris and I, right now, we get on a prayer call once a week, and we get with a group of people from Columbus, and even on that phone, I can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit as we're praying together. Um, when I was in Youngstown, I prayed weekly with pastors, and, and then... My fourth strategy is to plan um, rally, prayer rally events where the body of Christ can gather together and strategically go after strongholds that we know control our city. So let me just ask you this, and then we're going to move on. Who knows the strongholds that are holding your city captive? Name some of them that you guys know about. Where are you? Poverty. Poverty. Addiction. 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 Okay. Anyone else? Suicide. Suicide. What'd you say back then? Suicide. Oh, suicide. Okay. Prostitution. Prostitution. Religion. Oh, 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 yes. She said religion. That could be a stronghold. All right. Pride and arrogance. Pride and arrogance. Now, those things aren't going to just go uh, because a, a group of people prayed about them on Sunday morning for five minutes or even two minutes during church. They're going to go when the church gathers together and say, you have no place here. And we strategically, it's almost like the difference between this light. When we turn this light on, this is called, I think they call it diffused light. It spreads everywhere in the room. It doesn't really have a lot of power. It lights up darkness. But a laser is about surgery, right? You, laser is concentrated light. And when concentrated light is, is, is used, it, it focuses on something and it can repair wounds and surgically remove things. And so, yes, God wants light to shine, and our prayer life needs to be that way, but God wants us to cut off darkness and to pull out some of these strongholds. That's what we're going to talk about. All right? So let's start with the theological uh, vision for prayer. This is my intro real quick. Uh, three types of prayer I find in the Bible going on. The first one is personal prayer. And you all know we just talked about that. It's about strengthening and building up our personal prayer lives. Some examples of that in the Bible, Daniel, right? Daniel would go and pray, uh, I think, three times a day. He would go before the Lord. He was known for his prayer life. But here's a question for you. Jesus prayed too. So here's what, here's what I want to ask you all. Why would God need to pray while on earth? I mean, he's God. Why do you need to pray? Yes. Communion with the Father. Continual communion with the Father. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Anyone else? Yes. She just said he never did anything that he didn't see God do or say. He didn't say anything God did. 
So he was, was he going to do, do that if he wasn't spending time? So you think he was setting a model? Is that what you're saying? He was setting an example. Okay. Anyone else? Yes. But also, he was getting direction to keep out the problem. But he was God. No, but, but there is in the, the Trinity. You're right. They all have a function, and they work together. But Jesus said, I do what the Father tells me to. So you say direction. I would say alignment. But I think they're both the same. He was making sure that he was continuously. Heaven, earth was aligned with heaven. I'm telling you, that's the power of prayer. When earth lines up with heaven, things happen. Okay. Let me throw some of these up here that you guys just shared. Spiritual revitalization. So he was a fully man. Amen? And so he needed to be revitalized because living on this earth will drain you. Just living on this earth. Even though he was fully God, he was living on this earth as fully man. So he, he prayed to get spiritually revitalized. Second reason he prayed was to make sure he was in alignment with the Father. So uh, following God's will, hearing God's voice, um, while he was on this earth. And let me tell you, there's a whole lot of noise. We are spiritual beings. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, just like Jesus had the Holy Spirit guiding him. But he had to get away, right? He had to get away. And so we got to remember to follow that. Third one was a model for us. Somebody had shared that. He, he prayed so that we could understand how to pray. And then the fourth one was, here's the one that's really important. It was a burden, the burden of his calling. Um, Matthew 26, 36 says this. Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. There's so much teaching on prayer that I could take you through in the Bible, but I don't want to hang there too long. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're a pastor, uh, the more that you do in leadership, the, the, the more you need to un unload your burdens to the Lord. And so you've got to have that consistent prayer life. And anyone who's ever been in spiritual leadership knows when, when a person falls, they usually fall because they don't deal with the pressures properly. So rather than going to the Lord and unburdening that, they're, they're going to something else and finding a way to feed uh, their, you know, get their mind off it. So it's really important that we unleash our burdens to the Lord. So that, that's, I'm just hitting this real quick. That's uh, personal prayer. And in the Bible, you find intercessory prayer, right? You find all these prayers of people standing in the gap on behalf of people. So you got Moses interceding for the Israelites. You got Nehemiah interceding for the Jews, right, in, in, uh, when they were in disrepair and the walls were down. you got Jesus' famous prayer in John chapter 17, interceding for the disciples. You have Paul's. I tell you what, if you're ever looking for a model um, on how to lead your church in a prayer meeting, go through the epistles of Paul, take those prayers out of there, and break them down into prayer points, and those are powerful things. So Paul uh, interceded for the church, and um, he says in 1 Timothy 2.1, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. Philippians 3, 9 through 11, this is one of Paul's prayers right here. I pray, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge. That's number one. 
and all discernment. So we pray for knowledge, love, discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent. So he prayed for them to, to pursue excellence. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So we pray that they would have a genuine, sincere faith. And then verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ in glory and praise of God. I mean, that's some, that's some, that's a good prayer outline right there. Amen. So, intercessory prayer is about praying for other people. We have lots of needs that we could be praying for in our church, and we should be doing that. How many of you have an intercessory prayer team at your church? Do you have an intercessory prayer team? Good, good, good. So, what I would challenge you to do is, is maybe if you're trying to get this corporate prayer thing started, maybe ask that intercessory prayer team to start by praying for needs, but then shift at some point, let's pray with purpose. Let's pray down some strongholds. Let's take the offenses. And that's what we're going to talk about right now, uh, what I call purposeful corporate prayer. Purposeful corporate prayer. It's very important. It takes place all throughout scriptures. But I tell you, it is the least tapped into prayer uh, activity of the church. And I believe that we're missing a lot on the authority of God simply because we're not strategically praying together. So, purposeful corporate prayer um, is something that took place all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. When Solomon was building the temple and he dedicated in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 7, he gathered all the people together. And they prayed purposefully about, about their sins, about what God wanted them to do with this temple and, and with their uh, the season they were in. And then they prayed about the future. They even prayed about the future. And uh, so Jesus um, goes into the temple, right? Flips over the tables. You guys remember that? And what was the phrase that he said? My house, what? Shall we call it a house of prayer? For all nations. He didn't say my house shall be called a house of preaching. Just think about that. He didn't say my house shall be called a house for worship gatherings. He said my house shall be called a house of prayer. Now we know preaching and worship are vitally important. And there's teaching all throughout the word. But whatever happened to the church becoming a house of prayer. A house of prayer. For all nations. So not just for our nation, but for all nations. One of the things that just really powerfully impacted me, uh, well, I'm going to tell it later, so let me let me just keep moving on, so I don't want to steal the thunder. I did visit Israel last year. And when I was at Israel, any, any of you ever been to Israel before? Okay. Who's been to the Wailing Wall? Are they, they're praying there every day, right? Twenty, Almost 24 hours a day. They are praying at the Western Wall. And it just amazes me how many lessons that we can learn from the Jewish people. That that consistent prayer uh, keeps going on and on and on. Well, let's talk about what you can expect when God's people pray together on purpose, with purpose. What, what are some things that we can expect? And the first thing I want to put on there is that purposeful corporate prayer will initiate a holy desperation that touches the heart of God. I don't know about you, but when I pray with other people about big issues, I the first thing that happens with me is I feel so overwhelmed. Like, oh God, how can we ever deal with poverty? 
in this city, the city that I come from, Youngstown. Now we just lost GM. Oh God, how can we ever overcome this opioid addiction? I mean, it's getting worse. We thought we had a grip on it, now it's getting worse. And it just feels overwhelming. But there's something about holy desperation that pushes you to God and grabs the heart of God. So when when you are gathered again with a group of people, and let's just say you're praying about the drug issue. Right now in Youngstown, I think they're praying every Tuesday at Highway Tavern about the, the drug epidemic. Imagine 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 people in that room wailing and desperate to see God. I mean, I, I just have a hard time believing that God is up in heaven ignoring that. He's not going to ignore that. The Bible says over and over again, when the people cried out to God, there was a difference. It, it would say things like they prayed. But several times it says they cried out to God. Do a word study on that in Scripture of the issues and the situations that took place when the people cried out to God. Well, what happens when you cry out to God? Let me, let me ask you this. I'm, see, you guys are helping me teach this class. Book of Judges. Cycle, right? You know the cycle? They would get themselves in trouble because of their sin. God would turn them over to uh, a ruler. The ruler would conquer their people and put them in terrible bondage. And what would they do? Cry out to God. But when they cried out to God, what did that involve? What did crying out to God involve? Anybody want to give any input on that? It almost always involved repentance, right? The first thing that people do when they cry out to God, like Judges chapter 10, 10, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, we have sinned against you, forsaking God and serving the Baals. Then it goes down to verse 15. The Israelite says, we have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us. They, they were repenting. They were taking responsibility for the, the sins of the nation, and they were asking God for restoration. So holy desperation is about going to God. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but many times I, I would pray together with other pastors and, and a huge body of believers, and the first thing we would do is go after God, and we would repent. So if we're praying about the, the opioid epidemic, we would repent. You say, well, you didn't do it, but I represent the people that did do it. And if I want God to move on their behalf, then I need to repent on their behalf. And so we would corporately repent. Many times the prophets would do the same thing. But we wouldn't just repent. We would take responsibility. I'm going to lead, get to that in a few minutes. But we would say, God, we, we repent uh, 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 of, this, of the carelessness. Let's talk about... Let's talk about uh, fatherlessness. Let's talk about all these kids without fathers. God, we repent of not taking care of our children. We own that thing, that we have not been taking care of our children and leading them in a godly way. We've not been adopting and fostering these kids. But not only do you, do you, do you repent, but you own it. We're willing to do whatever you show us we need to do. So too often we go from repentance to now God do something. But we need to go from repentance to God show us what we should do. That's part of our prayer. You know that? Faith without works is useless. And then God will do what only He can do. So, holy desperation. Um, that's what we saw when we went. You probably heard a lot of stories about many Assembly of God pastors going over to Tanzania and just kind of witnessing this major revival that they're having. So, like in the last 10 years, uh, I've gone there twice. In the last 10 years, they've had almost 2 million people get saved. Two million, brother. 
planted 10,000 churches. So we're sitting in a meeting with them to learn about how does this happen? And John Wooten asked them, well, what's next? I mean, what do you do after that? Ten, two million people saved 10,000 churches. Guess what the bishop says? We need revival. I'm thinking, you need revival? You're in revival. He said, no, this isn't revival. Revival happens when cities change, when behavior changes, right? When there's no kid without a family, right? When the, when the, when the bars are closed. That's revival, when people are changing. And, and when we, we started praying, man, in that room, and the, the Tanzanians wail when they pray. You can go ahead and share your testimony. You gotta share, or you're going to share it later on. Just real quick. I, I would be preaching. I gave a, a response to pray. They would start praying, and I wanted to give them a second response. And, and, but they don't pray for two minutes, and then I'm encouraging our congregation. Come on, let's keep praying. Let's, no. And so finally I said, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and they stopped. And I gave them some more instruction, and they started praying again. And 10, 15 minutes later, I'm going, stop, stop, stop. And I give Yeah, them right. Now, last year, at the end of our visit last year, in the meeting I was in there, and there was 300 to 400 people in my meeting. There were 10 meetings around the nation. Around the nation. So that's like 3,000 people. They said, the last session, we're going to pray for you in Ohio. So I'm thinking, they said, come here, kneel down. And they laid hands on us. They started praying. Brother. Two hours later, <laughs> they prayed for Ohio for two hours. 3,000 Tanzanians praying in Swahili for Ohio. Oh, my goodness. When I got up off the ground, they had to carry me because I couldn't move anymore. But, um, I was like, oh, wow, that just shook heaven. I'll tell you, that's powerful desperation. Amen? All right, number two. When purposeful uh, corporate prayer will build unity and relationship. Okay, so... Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. There's, there's an a extra benefit that happens when you pray with the church for spiritual breakthrough. You actually become unified because of your prayer life. Whereas, and I've seen this happen, I because... I, I'm from a city where one of the biggest strongholds is racism. So we would call these meetings together, black, white, Hispanic, and we would pray about that issue. But I'm telling you something, there's things that we solve just by praying together that we could never solve sitting in a room trying to work it out. Amen. Just by praying together, we were unified, and it's just, it's just amazing. So this group that we used to pray with in Youngstown area was called GYCC, Greater Youngstown uh, Community of Christians. And... As we began to pray, we prayed for about four years together before we ever did a single thing. But God began to show us things to do. And we, what we found was, I'll get to that in a minute, is the more that we prayed, the more vision that we had for our city. And the more doors opened up for us to do things. But when we would go start doing those things and get so busy that we didn't pray as much together, we found that our relationships would just dissolve. And so a problem would come up. And all of a sudden, the race card would get thrown up in the air, or the denomination card would get thrown up in the air. Next thing you know, we're being polarized. Why? Because we're not praying. We're just doing. And, but the more we pray, the more unity came. So that's very powerful. Second, thirdly, powerful corporate prayer strengthens each other's faith. I, 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 know, I know that that's probably obvious, but 
It's, it's for real, for real. Nehemiah is building the walls. So Sambala and Tobias talking all this trash and, and trying to intimidate the people with their gossip and their slander. In the meantime, Sambala and Tobiah puts this strategy together to infiltrate and sabotage the work on the walls. And the people are just afraid. You know, they're like, they're coming, they're gonna come, they're gonna get us, they're gonna, they're gonna ruin everything. The people are fearful. Nehemiah says, let's pray. And as soon as he begins to pray, their faith elevates. And that's what prayer does. Let me, I, I gotta tell you a great story about this. Can I tell you a great story? Yes. All right, I'm going to do it anyways. Um, so I, I, I worked in inner city ministry for 28 years, my wife and I. So we were in inner city ministry, and it was it was in the projects. And we had a group of, we had a youth group with us that was doing a missions trip. So they were with us. And we were in the project, and we gave them strict instructions. I told them, look, when you're in the projects, you stay with the group. You don't go wandering around. This is something where someone lives. There's gangs here, there's drug dealers here, there's violent people here, and you're a guest in their territory, so you you honor the rules. And the rules are you stay with me, because they know who I am. So my kids that were in my youth group thought that they didn't have to obey the rules, because they're from Youngstown. Well, so the one kid wanders off, and he ends up getting jumped by the gang, because they knew him, and they didn't like him, so they beat him up. They jumped him. So that was bad enough. Everybody in the group was afraid. We're trying to set up for this big outreach. We grab this kid, put him on the bus, and the gang comes after us. And everybody's panicking. And so I said, everybody get on the bus right now. So we're on the bus. The gang is around the bus. They're shaking it. They're pounding on the windows, trying to get in the door. I'm standing up against the door. And, and I said, okay, that's enough. I said, stop being afraid. We're here for a reason. And this is safe. We're going to pray. We started praying in the Spirit. We started praying in the Spirit. I kid you not. All of a sudden, a thunderstorm kicks in. And, and, and the lightning and the rain comes, and these guys scatter. They start, they start running. Well, here's the scoop. It was raining over here, over here, over here, everywhere around us except where our bus was. We were the only dry place. So I said, all right, everybody off this bus. God gave us this territory. So we got off. Let's claim it for Jesus. We started claiming it for Jesus. Lord, just bring people in this circle right now. Satan's trying to just, all of a sudden, one by one, the people would come off their stoops because they were in the rain to our zone where we were dry. They would join our circle. The gang members joined our prayer circle. We led 10 of them to the Lord. Praise God. The same guys that beat our kid up. What is that? i tell you what it is. It's, it's the strengthening of faith. And Satan is an intimidator. That's all he is. And so that's just that's just a great story, actually. I have to it is a great story. Uh, my wife went to Rwanda last year, and before they went on a trip, they had to fast one day for, for a month. And then the, the, they had to fast for a week uh, before they went, and then they had, to, they had these prayer times every time they were there. Why? Because they wanted to see God do miracles. And my wife... She saw a person who came in with their legs twisted and deformed in a wheelchair. She watched their legs straighten out Absolutely. and walk out of that place. They didn't walk out of there because Paris prayed. They walked right. out of there because a yeah. hundred people were fasting before they went to it. Right. Yeah. And when those hundred people showed up, God said, I'm, I, yeah. you got my attention. Yeah. And then they believed because when I'm praying with you and you've been fasting for yeah. 10 days, it's like your faith ignites my faith. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and 
She saw miracles. She saw a deaf guy uh, leave hearing. And just amazing things. So that's what it does. It strengthens each other's faith. This is what frustrates me, because we see so many wounded, uh, uh, hurting Christians who are powerless, and if the church were just praying together on a regular basis, we wouldn't have to counsel them as much as we would just embrace them and say, look, we've been praying for 10 days, and you've got a problem, the power of God's here. Step into this circle, let's pray. Amen. Amen? God does things. Okay, how am I doing? All right. The power of purposeful corporate prayer. What to expect? Preparing the atmosphere, oh my goodness, for the kingdom progress. See, this is this is proactive praying, not reactive praying. Sometimes we got to react when we pray. But sometimes we need to proact when we pray and take over. So Ephesians 6, 11, and 12, put on the full armor of God. That you can take your stand against the enemy's schemes. That's react. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, come on, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of darkness, against spiritual forces in heavenly realms. And if you read in other portions of scriptures in 2 Corinthians, we have the power to pull down strongholds. Absolutely. Come on. Yeah. So praying together prepares the atmosphere. Now, i gotta, I got to tell you another story. This is really important, this one. So... When I first came to Youngstown, Ohio, uh, 28 years ago, are you guys familiar with Youngstown? Do they have a reputation or something? Yeah. I don't know why we have a reputation, you guys. It's a great place, isn't it? Thank you. Uh, but Youngstown, Ohio had a reputation, and the reputation is usually wrapped around crime, right, and violence. And so per capita, Pete and I were in Cleveland together doing inner city ministry. Per capita, Youngstown was like the second in the nation when I first got there in the early 90s. We had 65 homicides that year in this little city of less than 100,000 people. 65 homicides. Now, they had less than that in Pittsburgh and the same in Cleveland that year. That's a lot of homicides in the little community. So we had the stronghold there. And we, we decided that that's it. We're not, we're not accepting this. And we're going to pray against corruption. And we're going to pray against violence in this city. And we're going to cancel that assignment in the name of Jesus. And we're going to pray until something happens. So 10 pastors got together, we prayed every Friday morning. Then we would get our churches together on a, on a quarterly basis, and we would gather together and pray. We had two agendas. We prayed about corruption, and we prayed about violence. We prayed for 10 years. 10 years. Somewhere in the middle of that, we just kept praying. God took on the mafia. Hallelujah. I'm going to write a book about this. They write movies about what I witnessed. Youngstown is very corrupt. It was. So like the, the mayor and the council people and the police chief and the, the uh, sheriff, all these people were being controlled by the mob. So like if you commit a drug crime and I'm your mob boss, I just go pay off the judge and you're, going, you're not going to jail. You're getting a slap on the wrist. And then they end up back out there on the streets and they rule by intimidation. And if you challenge them, you die. Here's how I know it. The prosecutor was corrupt and owned by the mob, so we prayed him out of office. That's when God began to really move. Ten years later, he gets voted out of office. That's a miracle in and of itself. Yeah. New prosecutor says, I'm going to deal with corruption. We met with him and said, we're going to hold you accountable to your words, but we're also going to pray for you. He said, good, because they threatened me already. I kid you not. The mob's boss sent a hitman. I'm telling you, this is 19, 1998 or something like that. Sent a hitman to his office. 
hitman comes in, puts a suitcase full of money on his desk, and said, you will do what we tell you to do. He pushed the suitcase back and says, you get out of my office. Hitman takes out a gun, shoots him point blank in the face. Gaines, he's still the prosecutor today. Point blank in the face, twice. Thought he was dead, walked out of the room. He lived. He lived. He still has the scars, and he's still the prosecutor, I believe, for Mahoney County. He lives. He tells the police who shot him. They arrest the hitman. Now, no hitman's taking a dive. He rolls over on the biggest mob boss in the whole city. They arrest him, Lenny Stroller. He turns in his black book with 38 names of government officials in his books. Praise God. We had 38 FBI indictments in one year. Corruption, boom, like that. Is that amazing how God moves? So the prosecutor goes down, judges go down, the sheriff goes down. Uh, all these different um, people in the, in the justice system go down, and even our, unfortunately, our, our, our senator goes down. Um, can't remember his name. Jim Trafficking. Not all over, right? You guys have ever heard of Jim Trafficking? He goes to jail. Now listen, if, if you're not from Youngstown, you don't appreciate this, but I'm telling you, when that happened, the next mayor of Youngstown was a born-again, spirit-filled young black man who God used to revitalize our whole downtown area. How about that? And when he went into office, guess who went in office with him? The church. Ten years of praying, and the atmosphere was changed. And when he went into the office, he said, pastors, join me. He started a prayer team that would surround him with prayer. He hired a youth pastor that would take care of the youth for the whole city. How about that? With city money. He, hired, he had the pastors uh, organizing and orchestrating the plans for revitalization in the schools. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So when you yeah. pray together, God does that. Right. Oh, it just gets me fired up. And I only got three minutes. Okay. <laughs> Prayer moves us to faith-filled action. So if we're going to pray together, we better get ready to work together. James 2, 17 and 18. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But you may say, I have faith. You have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Jehoshaphat. King of Jerusalem, this whole contingency of people come to destroy him. Second Chronicles 23, he calls the people together to seek the Lord. The Lord says, all right, I want you to rally the people, and I want you to take action. What action? I want you to worship. Okay. Because worship is powerful. I, I don't know about you, but if we're just using worship to sing songs and get people closer to God, that's a great way to do it. But did you know worship can destroy uh, spiritual forces in heavenly places. Worship is powerful. It's warfare. It's warfare. And, I, and, and uh, um, so I'm, I'm gonna, i got to tell you, i got so many stories I can tell you. Let me tell you about, let me tell you about worship. So this is one thing that you may want to do with your church. So you may want to um, have prayer meetings at your church. You may want to meet with other pastors. And then you may want to get your church to start praying with another church that's different from you. So our church prayed with the Spanish church. And that became, it was bilingual prayer rally. And no Spanish people had hands on me. I have no clue what they were saying. But man, the power of God hit me. So praying together. So we decided one day that we're going to go prayer walking. And so God showed us to take action. Now here's how it went down. 
Um, so you have to give me mercy. Let me get a five out. Okay. Here's how it went down. We were having a string of murders around our church. So, like, they had this shot spotter that the, the police have bought thousands of dollars. It can pinpoint a gunshot within 10 feet. And so they put this shot spotter out and they mapped the gunshots in Youngstown so that they can put good patrols, you know, heavy patrols in those areas. Well, if you take the shot spotter map and you draw a circle where all the, the, the greatest contingency of gunshots are, and then you put your finger at the bullseye, that's Metro Assembly of God right there. We're like right in the middle of it. So people were getting shot, and, and it was bothering us because it was teenagers and girls. Girls were getting murdered. So we went to the mayor, went to the police chief, said, what are you going to do about this? We're not going to tolerate this. There's no way we're going to tolerate it. And it was a whole group of pastors. So we were praying about it. And we said, look, we need to speak to power because God gives us authority, right? right? So we spoke to power. I said, what are you going to do about it? That police chief had the nerve to point his finger at me and say, what are you going to do about it? I said, well, you're the ones with the guns. He said, well, then do what you do well, church. Go pray. I'll do what I do. You do what you do. We formed a coalition called Now Youngstown where they took care of the crime issues and we took care of the evangelization issues. We went out on the streets of Youngstown. We began a prayer walk. We began to prayer walk our streets. So we would take worship. We wouldn't be loud. We just have worship music playing on our phones. We would walk with these signs. I know it's corny, but when you're in an intense area, you can do these things. You don't do this in Dublin, but you can do it in the inner city. And so we're, you know, we're, we're walking with signs and just saying, how can we pray for you? And we're speaking and quietly walking down through our neighborhood. I mean, we're talking about a very challenging neighborhood, bars almost every corner. I'm telling you, the atmosphere changed. Like, I walked past this bar, I kid you not, the bouncer comes running up to me. He knows me because he's my next-door neighbor. The bouncer runs up to me, and everybody thinks he's going to beat me down. And they're like, whoa, 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 don't touch our pastor. Falls on his knees and starts asking, please pray for me. I'm addicted to drugs. I need deliverance. Right. We prayed for him. We got three blocks up the street. One of the biggest drug dealers in the city is driving up the street. He sees us walking. He whips his car around the corner swings open the doors, didn't even shut them, and jumps out. Now, when that happens, something's going to happen. Like, I'm thinking, this is a drive-by. So he jumps out looking at me, and I'm thinking, he's going to shoot me right here, right now. In the middle of the street, he falls on his knees. I kid you not. You can't write these things. Right. Falls on his knees as a preacher. I need delivered right now. You guys Amen. are praying for this street? Amen. Pray for me. Yeah. Boom. Falls on his knees. No drug dealer gang member is going to do that no. unless the authority of God right. captivates their attention. Absolutely. And I'm just saying that, that when, when you are going to pray together, then God's going to give you courageous strategy. And it's going to be way bigger than anything you can accomplish. And the last thing, and then we're going to pray. It brings God's authority upon your kingdom efforts. And we can't do anything without his authority. Nothing can we do without his authority. So the story of, of me telling the police officer, I know your world may be different than mine, but I just got to tell you my stories. So I, I told the police officer about the violence. He said, what are you going to do about it? And, and we came back together. We prayed. And I said, let's put a strategic plan together. Let's ask him what to do about the violence. And so we put a strategic plan together. I, didn't, I, I had no strategy. Here's my plan. We're going to do 15 outreaches through state services in the projects. 
And we're going to share the gospel using Teen Challenge and Gospel Rap and a Children's Carnival. And we're going to mobilize churches and we'll have different resources at every event. And we're going to share the gospel. And I brought it to the police chief. He says, okay, that sounds good. What do you need? I said, well, I need police officers at every event. I need, I need $10,000. I need $10,000. $10, he said, yep. Okay. Wrote us a check for $10,000. Said the police chief. Next time he asked me that question, I went a little higher. <laughs> but it, it, it's like God's authority's on. I kid you not, man. That was over. Crime had decreased so much, and I hardly did anything but preach the gospel and pray. That the mayor, the guy who was running for mayor, came to us and said, "Hey, if I become mayor, I need a strategy for the South Avenue corridor. What's your group got as a strategy?" I went back to my prayer closet. We sat down. What's our strategy? We said, okay, we want these houses knocked down, these businesses boarded up. We want some revitalization money going into this school, blah, blah, blah. Every single thing we asked for. We wrote the strategic plan for our neighborhood and gave it to the mayor. He got elected. He says, okay, we'll do it. I'm just saying, really, I mean, I had an advantage because my wife, God likes my wife. So that's the big advantage. <laughs> but other than that, we're just normal people. God moves when we take action. Do you guys believe that? Yes. yes. That, that, is the, that is the way yes. God moves. Yes. And, and uh, So we're going to pray right now. All right, you may say, well, okay, what's some strategies? Let me throw these out there and we're going to pray. Someone turn to James 1.27. Someone else turn to Psalm 68. Strategies. Prayer walking is a great strategy. Say, I can't do that in the suburbs. You can't because nobody needs to know you're doing it. Go to Go to an area where there's a lot of props. Say it's the mall and there's a lot of theft and a lot of vandalism where kids are hanging out and getting in trouble. Walk the mall with three or four, four people. Begin to pray on a consistent basis. And just watch what God does. He may lead you to a store owner. Say, walk in that store and just tell them you're praying. How can you pray for them? And just watch what God does. We, we've gone to schools and told principals, can we come in at 7 a.m. and just pray for your school? Just prayer walk through the hallways. That's right. That one wants a rebuttal. We do do it publicly. We had two city uh, parades every year. We built a float. We put great big speakers on it, and we sing loud, real loud worship music. And we go all through Dublin doing that. And by the end, oh. there are people along the along the parade route, and they're singing with us. Okay, well then I take that back. Do it. That's a good strategy. That's a good strategy. Don't do it in Canfield. Um, yeah, I showed up at a school one time at seven o'clock in the morning. A guy was out there. Um, I'm in Dayton, and um, he, I thought he was a security guard. He was in charge of the ROTC. He put them in a formation and had me pray over each and every one of them, Beautiful. Muslims and everybody, oh, everybody. See, God opens up those yeah, doors. just so. by being there. Just by be, that's what I mean by prayer walking. Be there. Sometimes you got to be there with the church. So, and, and then you could do concerts of prayer. So a good one that's coming up, you may not think it's, it's powerful. I believe it is because God's people is the National Day of Prayer, which is the first weekend of May. Try to get involved. If you get involved, you can lead it someday. Then you can write the script for how you're going to pray, and we can really get something accomplished. All right. There's an app you can look up if you need ways to pray. It's called Seek God for the City. Seek God for the City. You can look it up and get it on your phone, and every day it gives you a way that you can pray. So this is what it looks like. And it gives you a scripture. It gives you the way to pray for yourself and for your city and for the church. Okay? All right, we're going to pray for, we're going to take, we're going to, we only have eight minutes. But I, I feel like we need to address a stronghold. 
This one is dear to my heart. So we're going to address the strong word of fatherlessness. Is that okay? Yes. Yeah. And so who has James? Who has James? Will you read that, please? 127, right? Yeah, yeah. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and keep to oneself unrestrained by the world. I, and i got to tag this to say, most of the time I read about orphans, they're always connected with widows, so we need to pray for both. And uh, Psalm 68, 5 says, He's a father to the fatherless, and he puts the lonely in families. So we are going to cancel the curse... <laughs> That's upon our children that have no fathers and no families. We're going to ask God to give them families. Amen. Who will pray that God gives our foster kids families? 15,000 kids need families. There's a lot at stake. All right. So anybody want to pray about that? You want to pray about that? All right. And then, and then we're going to pray. Who will pray? Pete. Pray that God will show us the church what we should do. Amen. All right, let, let's just pray together in the spirit right now. And then whenever you're ready, sister, you take it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. God, I pray for each child in our nation, Lord, that is without a father, that is without a home. God, we claim, Lord Jesus, healing for families. God, I pray for families that would rise up and adopt these children, God, into their homes. Lord, to provide a spiritual covering, to provide provision for Jesus. God, I pray that the church would be the solution. And God, that we would rise up and stop waiting on the sidelines and have our government and our city provide a solution to the foster situation, God, in our cities, in our counties, in our state, and in our nation. Lord, I pray right now that doors would be opened. Supernaturally, God, that provision would be made, Lord God, that you would heal our land, God, by healing our children. God, provide the means by which to solve for this situation, God. Lord, that you would, God, rise up this church to be the solution. Lord, that we would care for the widows and we would care for the single moms, God, that we would care for the child. Lord, that you would put such a burden on the hearts of the church, God, that the solution would come. And Lord, we pray right now that you would do it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we claim it in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for the solution that is already at hand, God, for this situation, for this epidemic, God. We claim it and Satan, we come against you in the name of Jesus. We come against every stronghold that you would try to raise up in this nation. Lord, we break it in the name of Jesus. God, we speak to it in the name of Jesus. We declare God, we that in the name child, of Jesus. Lord, Hallelujah. God, Yes, 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 that we will be the solution. The church will be the solution in the name of Jesus. And we claim it. We cancel the each assignment. The identity of God that has blanketed this nation. Lord, we pray that you would revive it. That you would give us a new identity in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you. 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 Praise
Wake in your church. Wake in your church. Wake in your church. Wake in your church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we are truly grateful for the way you speak to us today. God, we are sorry for the opportunities that have passed us before. But Lord, I pray that you would continue this very moment to inspire us, Lord, to hear from heaven and to have an application, an application from on high. Lord, each of us are in different states and different uh, cities and different uh, scenarios, God. But you brought us here today for a purpose, for a plan. So God, continue to let us to have the application from on high. Give us dreams, give us visions, give us uh, divine appointments, God, so that you can expand your kingdom and that your glory would abound more and more. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Let me just ask you, I know we just took a few minutes, but I, I and anybody in this room like me feel this overwhelming burden for this situation? And did God speak anything to you? Anything you want to share with us about what the Lord what the Lord is saying to his church or what the Lord said to you? Don't hesitate. Anybody? Yes. Um, we have a lot of single moms or dads in the church, and I think we need to come around those children and bother yes. them. Yes. And you know, um, we don't. Good word. And we just created a system in Ohio, my wife's leading it, called Father's Heart, where they, we teach churches how to come around single moms and foster families and support them. So you're right on. Would you lead us in prayer, though, for single moms? I, I think sometimes we judge them, yes. and, and that's not what God's called us to. We're not their judge. Right. Yes. We're their intercessors. Yes. So right. we pray. Praise you. Yeah, yes, yes. Yes, Lord. And then open our hearts to be used by you. Yes, Lord. In any way you want. But unless you build it, yeah, it's around these moms. So, Lord, help build us all to begin to pray. Maybe to even adopt a family. Show to us start what to do. Praying. Yes, Lord. Lord Jesus, for that single Praise mom. Yes, for that single Lord. father, Lord mm. Jesus. Mm. And I just thank you for this opportunity. I just thank you for Jesus. our hearts to be tender, Lord. Jesus. And to be guided by your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for this time together. And I pray that each person in this in this room today would become a catalyst to powerful corporate prayer in their community, God. They would not back down, Lord. They would not be intimidated by the naysayers, but they would be convinced by the Holy Spirit that we must pray together as we tear down strongholds. God, use them for your glory, I pray, for great, great testimonies and a great move of God. Things that I have not seen nor ear has heard, nor can mind comprehend the things that you're about to do. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Okay, thank you all for coming. God bless you. Hopefully you got some good stuff and put it to use.